Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is Hitchcock. Anthony Hopkins dons a fat suit, Helen Mirren plays his long-suffering wife Alma, and it's our 50th episode of Pod Me If You Can. Just a heads up, we'll be talking about Hitchcock as if we've seen the film, because we have. And so you'll hear things about the ending and possible spoilers, so just be aware and advised, as always, on Pod Me If You Can. See the film first, then listen to our podcast. Lloyd, let's talk Hitchcock. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of Hitchcock films. Like, everyone who studied film always studies, like, at least Psycho and things like that. They always study their, uh, his movies. But I actually don't know much about The Man. Uh, one of my favourite mm-hmm. movies of all time is uh, Rear Window, I should say. But I, actually I was about to say, my favourite's Rear yeah. Window as well. Oh, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, but Rear Window, yeah, my favourite as well. And I like those scenes where he's peeking through the blinds. And it reminded me of Rear Window, how he's sort of watching people. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of touches and nods to Hitchcock. Like, the film opens, like, what, what a typical Hitchcock um, introduction when he did all those mystery thriller shows. Um, yep. Yeah, so it, it has all those nods to um, uh, the, uh, the whole Hitchcock lifetime. Yeah, the intro and outro of this film were both Hitchcock famously addressing the audience kind of thing, and Mm. at the end saying, I have no ideas what I will do next, and then a bird lands on his shoulder, you know? Yeah. So, obviously, the birds. Not to the birds, yeah, yeah. That was the big time in the film, the the audience laughed, which was strange, because, you know, there was a few funny lines, but that was the one everyone reacted to. Absolutely. It, th- this is uh, such a tough one to do because if you're doing anything on Hitchcock, you got to understand that this guy is a titan of cinema. Like, I don't know, for some reason I was expecting really grand camera angles or really grand suspenseful moments, but I thought, wait a minute, this is just a biography. Of course they're not going to try to tackle his technique or anything like that. Which would have been way better, hey? <laughs> yeah. Like, um... Sorry. The thing was, yeah, you're right. Um, they released that picture of Anthony Hopkins in Hitchcock makeup ages ago. Yes, and I, I can't recall, but maybe it was one of the films we were looking forward to. In one yeah, of yeah, no, podcasts. I was really excited about that. Um, just just because of that image, yeah, I was like, wow, they're really going all out on this. But then later, I read that they shot this film in like 36 days. Wow. Okay. Which, which seems rushed. Uh, well, and, I heard um, they, there was a HBO miniseries on Hitchcock, uh, which I, I I haven't heard about. I haven't seen any image about. I'm curious to find out what that was, um, which was a much darker take on Hitchcock than this film was. And uh, that's what inspired or got the backing for this film. That's what, you know, got the energy up and to, to produce this film with Helen Mirren. Okay. Um look there are problems with this film I want to get to them in a second Um, for me the word Hitchcock as the title expresses to me that this is the only film you will ever need to see on Hitchcock ever (laughs) yeah it's such a flaunting title isn't it it's just like Hitchcock (laughs) obviously Hitch was taken by Will Smith's uh, movie sure and when you see Ray for example the Ray Charles biopic it's like one film that takes you from early Ray Charles to through his entire life. Yep. You know? And for Same this Same with Ali it, sort of thing. Hmm. For this, this is a sliver of his life. You know, I know I understand that you would get a four and a half hour epic if you were doing his entire life. But I don't think it should have been titled Hitchcock for yeah, this reason. That's a really good point. I think uh, it's too grand a title. It could have easily been called The Making of Psycho 
or Hitchcock and Psycho or Hitchcock and Alma or something you know yeah, include absolutely. her in the title because it is more a film about Alma anyway she's the real lead kind of thing and it's based on a book Alfred Hitchcock and the making of Psycho by Stephen Rebello so you know the man behind the curtain even would have been a better yep. title yep. because like you know the shower scene and stuff I don't know so initially I'm going on very, I'm going in very skeptical with yeah. my um with the title and I'm wondering if you think it's the most interesting thing he ever did you mentioned you don't know that much about Hitchcock Hitchcock I would have loved to have seen some young Alfred Hitchcock I know that that this wasn't the film I was walking into I knew it was just a sliver of his life but it got me thinking what if we saw some of his earlier days earlier work perhaps when Hitchcock had more hair and was more like a young Orson Welles kind of thing you know finding his voice in cinema I would love to see that movie well, Peter, I'm a big fan of Peter Bogdanovich, who befriended a lot of the great masters during the late 60s, early 70s, and who mentored him, and he, he was a very accomplished filmmaker in himself. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich has been in uh, Sopranos, he's directed Mask, Paper Moon, um, and a whole bunch of other films. He's, a, he's actually a very good filmmaker, and he's famous for doing a lot of work on Hitchcock, like particularly long interviews, where you could, I think you could still download the the audio for those interviews and one thing I remember him saying about Hitchcock was he had a very dark sense of humor he was a very funny guy um it didn't really come across in this film um at all like they didn't touch on that and there's a lot of aspects they didn't touch on um or they missed out on but again I don't know much about Hitchcock so I can't confirm a lot Mm. of this but yeah like Psycho was a, probably a very interesting moment of his life, but he's done so many other films. It's very daring just to isolate um, Psycho and just to say is that the most pivotal moment of his career. He's done so many others, like each one of them a big battle. Mm. Well, we I think a, yeah, a bit of North by Northwest, I think, and then Psycho, and that's it, really. Yeah, and well, you got the premiere of North by Northwest, yeah. Mm. And then the obvious nod to the to the birds and stuff, but I don't know. I felt like um, you're getting a portrait of a man at the end of his life. You know, you're getting he's incredibly childish and obviously has health problems, and it made him sort of unlikable, didn't it? I mean, yeah. If you saw how he became a great filmmaker surely that would be more of an epic film and how you could even include how he got his obsession with leading ladies you know you could um you could have something in there at the beginning where he has a relationship with one or whatever actually happened you could sort of imply how he formulated more ideas in his head because i mean there's there's a young hitchcock film there that i'm sure we will see in our lifetime you know well, I'm, I always I'm I'm trying to picture this movie from the point of view of a uh, of a young viewer who hasn't heard of Hitchcock or hasn't seen any of his films, and if they go in watching this, their impression of Hitchcock isn't going to be that great, you know. No. Like, yeah, I I, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I, as you say, he's childish. I think he was eating dog food at one point. I could have interpreted that differently. He could have been eating. I, I think it was supposed to be like fancy caviar kind of like I don't oh know okay sorry I, I thought it was dog food when I first saw it then I thought no that has to be like tuna or something like a fancy tuna fish yes, something that yes, gets absolutely. imported yeah um 
Did you... I wanted to ask, before the film, did you have a Hitchcock recording where Anthony Hopkins is sitting there saying, turn off your phones? No. Because when I went to see this at the theatre, remember the scene in the movie where he's sitting in a recording booth? And um, he's saying, you must not... He's talking about how Psycho must be viewed and how the ushers need to lock up the cinema and not let anyone in after it has started because it's so horrifying and stuff. Yeah, that was one of his most famous things he did for Psycho. Yeah, but what they they had that same technique for this film. They had a recording at the beginning that he'd obviously recorded at the same time because it had a little shot of him sitting there. Um, and it was about turning off your mobile phones, otherwise it'll be a horrific end for you and stuff. Right. Just a little, like, turn off your mobile phones. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> the good thing that happened was I watched this film in Melbourne at uh, the Sun Theatre in Yarraville. And um, beforehand, they often play like a um, like a short video about you know how they repainted their roof or how outside the Sun Theatre they did a pop up park where they replaced the road with grass and had like a pop up park basically um, stuff like that. The short video they played at the beginning of this film was the construction of their sixth sixth theatre. Yep. And it was the theatre I was sitting in, watching this film. Oh, cool. It's, so you're watching and fast forward the, um, you know, everything getting put down, chairs and everything. And I can see the seat that I'm sitting in while I watch this construction of the theatre. It was really interesting to, to see that before the film. And I just wanted to point it out. Well done, some what, theatre. What's, the, um, what's so special about the theatre? Every cinema, it's like a really um, old-fashioned kind of lovely independent theater oh, okay. and it, each cinema is very different to the last so they have names like uh, la scala and the davis and stuff like that and um when you go in there each one sort of has its own look i saw looper in one of those theaters and i thought it was really good as well and when i went to see your sister's sister which i saw a while back it um it was in a theater which had kind of double sofa'd kind of seats so you're sitting down and it's like um you're sitting in like two seats kind of boxed in together but they've got really plush material yeah each cinema is kind of unique and i haven't been in all of them yet so it's just a really nice old theater oh it sounds interesting i'd love to go see a movie there now yeah, i have to take you next time you're in melbourne i heard there's a theater in sydney that opens with a guy playing a piano and then oh, he okay. disappears down like sort of like the old silent films how cool yeah, and I'd love to see something like that. Like one of those old 20s, uh, well, I don't want to say 20s, but 30s style cinema, um, you know, where it's very old and it's got that, you know, uh, it, like because it branched off from the stage, a lot of um, the theatres. So it'd be really cool to see something like that in that vein. You know, when Grindhouse came out and it sort of just got this massive release and it had trailers between the movies and also credits between the movies and a lot of yep. people walked out after the first one yeah and they, they were like i don't know what that was and stuff you know what would have been amazing and i know that tarantino is too busy for this but like kevin smith goes around and tours his film you know he played it in x amount of cities and he drove around and like did like a big tour of red state right yep. if tarantino had done a big tour of grindhouse and so a little Q&A afterwards, he sort of says hi to the audience. I can imagine him taking the same, or a couple of prints around to everywhere. It would have had that grindhouse feel. Yeah, no, definitely. You know? Anyway, bit of a segue. <laughs> well, I suppose we'll get back on to Hitchcock, shall we? <laughs> um, this director's not very experienced. I don't know if you've 
seen any of his films, but Anvil, the story of Anvil, the documentary, no. and Hitchcock is his second feature. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think that this film felt like a midday movie type oh, film with that, high-level high actors. I just want to say all the actors are bulletproof to criticism because they all did an amazing job from Anthony Hopkins to Helen Mirren to Tony Collette to um, Scarlett Johansson. I thought they were all... looks. They looked wonderful. Um, but the film suffers from a midday movie script to a midday movie director. Like, the very fact that they're getting in the whole Ed Gain technique where Hitchcock is talking to, like, a ghost is such a primitive form of script writing. Like, it's like, I don't know... Um, I, I need to get the actor's emotions out and thoughts out. Oh, let's have a, a ghost that he talks to in a room or something like that. I that don't was actually put... the worst thing for me, that the yeah. scenes with him. He didn't seem necessary at all. No, it was it was so bad. It was, like, it was one step above this voiceover. It has nothing to do with Hitchcock. They don't know this. I, I'm pretty sure there's never been an interview. Like I've no, I, Again, I don't know much about Hitchcock, but I'm positive he didn't go, oh, yes, during the making of Psycho, I was talking to Ed Gain to help me filter through to the character. You know, I don't think there was any of that. That was obviously taken at, as a uh, as dramatic license. Yep. You know? Um, but it's just such a poor technique. Um, I, I was struggling to think of films that did this the same, and for some reason, all I could think of was Macbeth. Oh, sorry, um, Hamlet, where Hamlet talks to his father's ghost. But I think that wasn't in the same vein as this at all. But I, I don't like that technique, where you know, it's just needless. <laughs> I yeah, I really didn't like it either. Um, that for me was the weakest part of this. I hated seeing those scenes and yeah. They they frustrated me, really, because I, I didn't think they should have been there at all. No, not at all. And yeah. it took it away from being a biography on Hitchcock, because immediately you go, well, how can they know this? Like, you know? Yeah, the... Um, look, this film is basically about their relationship. It should have been called Hitchcock and Alma. Yeah, and I didn't know has... anything that um, uh, Hitchcock had a, a wife that was such a huge creative force in his life. So I was like, oh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> she's, she steps in when he has a heart attack. She's the director. She's the writer. She's the boss on set. You know, she helps him with casting, with ideas. She tries to push things in his direction. It's She's a major part. And this, this film restores her, like, you know into cinematic history really mm, yeah everyone who didn't know about her and hasn't read that book the making of psycho finds out here don't they and yes. when he got his lifetime uh, achievement award um from the american film institution i believe um he thanks her mm. you know and that obviously is a huge deal because he i mean this at this point in the film at this point in his life rather um he wishes he could have an affair he has an obsession with his leading ladies he has, as he says, impulses that are getting stronger for infidelity. He has pictures of Grace Kelly, and all this stuff makes him such an unlikable character, an unlikable period of his life. You know, he is he's childish, he's watching cartoons, he's drinking, smoking, he's hiding things. He's just generally being difficult with Alma. And look, I feel like Helen Mirren steals this film... And she could have easily been nominated for a supporting actress uh, nod here. Yeah. Hopkins doesn't have to do too much of the heavy lifting, you know? Yeah. He's, he's mastered the expressions, the body language. She has all the best emotional cues in the film and performs all the more... Like, the, the speeches really well, I think. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just hated the thread of her 
possibly seeing another writer. Mm. I just thought that was just such a dumb midday movie thing. Oh, she could be, you know, um, you know, in, in all these midday movie things, it's always about uh, a married couple and then her possibly seeing another man sort of thing. It was just so bad. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, she had a real window to have an affair because I think he would have slept with her, the other writer. Um, he was trying to lure her away, but he obviously had his own motives, that guy. Mm. And um, whereas Hitchcock didn't really have any chance to have an affair, he um, he seemed really out of it, like unable to, but wanting to, basically. Yes. yeah, yeah. It's about, I mean, the film is also about his, shouldn't you quit while you're ahead? You know, they say that to him about his filmmaking, and so he feels over the hill. This is his midlife crisis, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And I mean, I think if you haven't seen Psycho, this film probably won't work, hey? Yeah, absolutely, because they don't explain enough about the film, I guess. And I feel like... They just go to the shower scene, you know, the shower scene that everybody knows about, you know? You know, you've seen it on The Simpsons where Maggie hits Homer on the head and the paint goes down the drain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that. Look, there's, there's a lot of in-jokes in the film, and I think it's going to limit the audience. I think that's why it's not going to be successful because film buffs are going to want to see this. And Uh, as I did, yeah, like I'm, I'm a big film buff, obviously. And I was really eager to see this and I just uh, came out very disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I'd heard two star reviews and I'd heard a lot of negative press. So I went in really expecting to be underwhelmed and I found it interesting and a good film but not great not what i wanted you sure. know Absolutely, like i wanted yeah. something phenomenal i wanted to be moved to tears i wanted to be um i wanted to, at the end of this film to stand up and applaud mm. and be like wow wasn't hitchcock great you know like the film as well as the man you know this was epic really i wanted to see something you know that would amaze me but what i got was this small relationship film like you say a little bit like a midday movie um kind of wrapped up with these look they i didn't almost didn't recognize tony collette all right yeah she yep. was um united states of tara she's you know australian actress we know sixth sense she's a great things. actress yeah but she was in this tiny like role as hitchcock's assistant she mm. must have thought this film was going to be bigger than it was mm. you know um Jessica Biel and Scarlett Johansson they're both playing real people as is Anthony Hopkins and I got the feeling that everybody thought they were all going to be nominated for awards for this film everybody signed on because they all thought this would be the film that would take them to the Oscars even if they didn't win an Oscar they would all be nominated yeah I feel like Scarlett Johansson and I like her is trying really hard to be nominated for an Oscar here Um, I saw an interview with her where now, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, the daughter of yep. Janet Leigh. Of Janet Leigh, yep. in the famous shower scene in Psycho. And Jamie Lee Curtis said that Scarlett Johansson captured... She saw the film and she said she captured the essence of her mother, right? Of course she's going to say that. <laughs> of course. Which Scarlett Johansson was very complimented by. It was an interview with Matt, La- Matt Lauer on the Today I Show. I think I saw that as well, yep. But for me... Capturing the essence is not the same thing as being like the spitting image of or the, you know, it felt like a kind of half compliment, you know, 
like you've kind of captured the essence of the moment. <laughs> you know, it didn't didn't sound like a strong compliment to me. Sure, yeah. You know, I like a wow. That person, like uh, when you watch Looper, for example, Joseph Gordon-Levitt becomes Bruce Willis. You know, you you see he's wearing a prosthetic nose. He's wearing um, what do you call it? Uh, I. Contacts or contacts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say like um, I don't know what I was going with there. Contacts. Thanks yep. for that. Yeah, you're right. He's wearing he's wearing that, and he becomes Bruce Willis. You sort of start to forget it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He becomes a young Bruce Willis. You know, um, in this, you're still watching everybody as themselves. Maybe Scarlett Johansson's too famous for that role of Janet Lee. I'm still seeing Scarlett Johansson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I said, I almost didn't recognize Tony Collette, also because it's kind of a minor role, and you didn't expect it to be Tony Collette. Mm. Um, Anthony Hopkins does an admirable job. I think it's a great impersonation of Hitchcock, but he doesn't have enough dialogue sure. for him to be nominated for an Academy Award. The only Academy Award they're up for, uh, at the time of this recording, the Academy Awards haven't happened yet, they're up for Best Makeup. Well, the they'll, they'll probably makeup. win that. They probably will. I don't think there's a huge uh, field for it. But, like, it's an interesting film. But, yeah, it does. It seems to struggle for me. Um, there's interesting things that happen in it, too. Psycho is famous for three things, right? Killing the lady, th- leading lady of the film 30 minutes into it, right? Yep. The shower scene. And the music in the shower scene, right? And if you haven't seen Psycho, probably you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But anyway, <laughs> here is a big spoiler from Psycho. Uh, the Norman Bates twist at the end of the film where he is the mother Mm. you know these are the things that Psycho is famous for if you haven't seen Psycho this film doesn't work because you're like why is that person exactly exactly stabbing the again uh, that that young kid who goes in to watch this film is going to be really confused disappointed and not knowing what's going to happen at all well I don't think they're going to go in knowing what's happening sorry I don't think they'd go into this I think you'd find you know let's say 18 to 25 year old males will probably go watch Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise before they'll watch this Yes, you know that's out at the same time it sort of reminds me of a film that came out starring John Malkovich called Shadow of a Vampire which was on Nosferatu by um, F.W. Murnau and that was um, uh, it's a mythic take on what happened at that film because Max Shrek I think his name was um, who played the vampire looked so terrifying people thought rumours or myths came out that he was an actual vampire that F.W. Murnau found and filmed mm-hmm. um, for it and so yeah the film sort of plays on that where he's an actual vampire killing his crew members and it's been like a secret sort of thing between F.W. Murnau and the vampire look oh could you help me make this movie I really want to film you to play a vampire and you know it's uh sort of kind of reminds me like that like that you have to see Nosferatu to really get the all the in jokes and everything to really understand what's happening I was sure when you said this reminds me of a John Malkovich film that you were going to say color me Kubrick oh and color me kubrick that's a great yeah that's a great point (laughs) you know yeah because he's playing a man who poses as director he's based in reality as well by the way that film yeah anyway that's also an interesting one people should check out um where he where he says buy every copy of psycho to tony collette that was really funny that was really awesome yeah (laughs) yeah the stuff about um how they'd never filmed toilets in movies before oh yeah Um, yeah was really interesting um 
yeah, you just there's a lot of interesting bits, but the overall story is unfortunately like about Alma, isn't it? Yeah. She just she just wants Hitchcock to find her attractive, you know. Um, whereas he's flirting with Scarlett Johansson, Janet Lee, the first time they meet, you know, mm. um, right in front of Alma, which isn't very nice. And um, yeah, he just wants people to say he's good. You know, he hasn't had that, I guess, approval by his peers because people know he's a genius director, but people want him to retire, mm. you know? I guess, yeah. It's such I a distant level with the average moviegoing audience because uh, a lot of moviegoers or a lot of audiences wouldn't have had that or wouldn't understand that what Hitchcock's feeling it's just like wow you're a big wealthy movie star you know like it's such a specific temperament um unless you felt that you've hit the highs and there's nowhere to go and you're feeling on the end I guess um you know you really want to make your last comeback or maybe it's like a boxer who's retired and wants to make that one more charge one more bit of glory like in Rocky 6 or is it Rocky 5 Rocky 6 yeah Rocky Balboa sorry yeah I wondered about... Um, he had Final Cut, the privilege of Final Cut. Mm-hmm. And I wondered about, um, you know, uh, when that sort of came in. I'm just sort of pulling it up now, trying to... Um, Identify. Find it. Yeah, because it seemed like... Well, Citizen Kane, directed by Orson Welles, had a notable episode about the Final Cut privilege. Yeah, that doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. no. It's interesting because I wondered when that theme came in. Final you know, Cut. The idea of Final Cut. Oh, like- well, it's been around since uh, Buster Keaton and Charles Chaplin. There were the few filmmakers who were allowed complete control over their movies. And Hitchcock, uh, sorry, uh, Orson Welles was one of the very few who got the dream contract. Like anything he wanted, any project he wanted, and you get complete Final Cut. You know, that very rarely happened back then but Hitchcock as far as I know was in control for a lot of his films mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure by the time this film came out you know f- by the time uh, North by Northwest came out he had Final Cut because he's referred to as a genius and it's just part of his contract yeah according to the movie yeah definitely mm. and when he's um, peeping through the uh, what do you call it the peephole listening yep. in on the conversations floating around you know there, there's a lot of kind of creepiness about Hitchcock too mm. yeah, yeah there's legends that he was hitting on Grace Kelly a lot and m- most of his leads yes. but again I don't know too much blondes. about it famously liked blondes yeah yeah, a leading lady obsession he had and then when um, <laughs> Jessica Biel's character Vera she, um, she could have been such a big star there's that subplot and he says and it's such a terrible line for a person to think this way but he says why do they always betray me Mm. regarding her pregnancy like she decided to have a baby and a family instead of becoming a star Mm. you know yeah it's very sad in some parts this film but um i thought the the best film scene the film scene here was uh the recreation of the shower scene where Mm. there's flashes of him stabbing at everybody he hates like the um the dad from that 70s show, Kurt something, Fuller is it? I'm not sure, yep. but um, where he's stabbing at him for trying to censor the film and where he's stabbing at everybody who is annoying him, you know, they're all flashing ahead and you're getting a very real reaction from Janet Lee at that time. Yeah. 
No, th- yeah. yeah, that was definitely one of the best parts of the film. Yeah, and my favorite line from this film was, um, "I will never find a Hitchcock blonde as beautiful as you." <laughs> oh, Hitch, I've waited thirty years to hear you say that," she says at the end of the film. "That, my dear, is why they call me the Master of Suspense." Yeah. Best uh, line of the film. Yeah, very midday movie line as well. <laughs> yeah, but like I, I would have appreciated more lines like that. You know, sure. like I don't know, there was something missing here, and maybe it was the rushed thirty-six day job. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that they just didn't get a a very good director. Like I, I shouldn't put him down too much, but it, it just obviously had that quality. Like the direction just wasn't there, was it? Like they cast these incredible actors a so-so script and you know just run with that (laughs) Mm. one thing that stood out in this film to me being a married man um was the single beds they had Mm, yeah and i kind of hope that that never happens i can't (laughs) imagine like being married to somebody and sleeping in single beds it might be a health issue um for Hitchcock they never really dealt into that but I do hear of that happens all the time with couples and it you know it usually help it's better for them to sleep and so forth there's like a, older an, couples particularly there's an episode of how I met your mother where um Lily and Marshall the redhead and the tall goofy guy to you who doesn't really watch the show <laughs> um they they um they get single beds and they sleep sort of in the same room but very similar look to the Hitchcock movie and um you know he wants to sort of eat food in his bed and clip his toenails and things like that and (laughs) their relationship suffers and stuff it's a pretty funny episode but that's the only other real example of this i've seen sure because i mean you have to have that conversation and say we need single beds and then you have to go out and buy single beds and you know it just seems like there's a lot of it's giving up really (laughs) uh you know saying you don't really want to sleep next to the other person yeah I, I like um, the casting of Michael Wincott as Ed Gain. Like, I know we don't like the technique of Hitchcock talking to Ed Gain, like a ghost of Ed Gain, but yeah. I, if I was doing a movie, one of the first actors I'd cast as my main villain would be here, Michael Wincott. I think he's a very underrated actor. He was in Alien Resurrection, and he played, like, one of the main pirates and terribly, terribly made film. I think he's the best character in the film, and they just kill him off. And he's been uh, he's only been in um, brief roles. I think he was in Along Came a Spider with Morgan Freeman. Oh, that's um, he an played, old like, one. the villain in that. Um, and he's a very good actor, and he's got a great voice. It's just... I, I just I'm just happy to see him in, in something, you know? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... For me, the guy playing Norman Bates... Yeah, um, uh, Anthony Perkins... Um, was really good. He looked the part, his movements and his voice. Yeah, but exactly. the only thing um, they did wrong, because I've heard interviews with Anthony Perkins, and he's a very, very intelligent guy. Um, he's very well read. He's very... Um, talks very well. <laughs> talks very well. Um, hmm. Yeah, he sounds like a very educated person. He didn't come across like that. He came across like Norman Bates. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, true. But it was a really interesting portrayal. I, I found that fascinating. Like, I couldn't take my eyes off that performance. Yeah, no, he did a great job. Great job. The, the only issue was with the script. I think, you know, Anthony... They should have showcased that Anthony Perkins was a very intelligent man. Should have came across with his um, with his dialogue. I don't know. He just sounds a lot more upper class. <laughs> mm. But there was that manual in this, on, in this film, like, towards the end, 
There was little pieces that I thought could have been explained better. There was the manual he sets out on how to sell a movie. You know, where he does all the stuff to make Psycho so intriguing. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And I don't know that that's been done so well since, you know. Um, I remember when Blair Witch came out, people thought it was real, you know. Those people really went missing and that was obviously something huge that helped it. That was one of the best marketed films of all time, probably. Exactly, exactly. And then, I mean, you can see the house on the hill where Psycho is set kind of yeah thing. Well, I, i've actually been to that set i think you did that as well with the universal tour no i went uh, to warner brothers tell me more oh about you it. went to the warner brothers yeah I, I i went on the universal tour Jeez, now i'm getting confused with paramount um but i definitely did see the the whole apartment block and the house mm-hmm. um and they, they got the mum perched up like the uh the dead carcass of the mum perched up in the window so it looks very eerie and i was hoping to see much more of that uh with this film there's actually only one scene with it and it's shot in the background background. yeah that annoyed me yeah i wanted to yeah see that closer up yeah yeah but uh when they take you on the tour um do they take you pretty close to it or well you're on a tram so it's a tram tour you're speeding past and when you go past the apartments um norman bates comes out puts a dead body in a trunk and he looks at you and he runs after the tram uh which is really cool um and then it takes you up towards the house and you're you're within you know arm's reach of it i think like if you just get out run up touch and run back you could easily (laughs) do it (laughs) there's the challenge for people yeah (laughs) no good um one other thing i found fascinating in this film was how there was no music in the shower scene how Hitch was saying no and Alma was saying yes. Yeah. It's a Bernard Herming score, um, which they've been collaborating on. Like, he collaborated with Orson Welles, mind you, for Citizen Kane, um, and a lot of his radio shows. Bernard Herming is one of the famous music composers. He did Taxi Driver as well, that was his last film, um, of Hitchcock's. And it's interesting in this film. Yeah, he was like saying, I don't want any music. And Bernard Herming's like, Oh, you gotta have it. It's one of the most eerie and thought-provoking um scores of all time i think definitely and and i could have it was very nearly not in there which I yeah wow <laughs> anyway wrapping up our thoughts on hitchcock i thought good not great pretty interesting um but i i look forward to as i said a, a younger hitchcock film you know i sure. want to see the that the way hitchcock built himself up into the genius director we see Yep, good job by all the actors, but it's just not a great film. Just suffers by typical mechanics of the screenplay and just a very boring movie. (laughs) (laughs) How long was it? Was it like an hour and 40 minutes or something? I don't know, it felt long. It felt long. Dragged a little bit in the middle. I thought, I mean, 36 days, that's all they had to sort of make it. Yeah. It would have been better as a midday... Oh, sorry, as a, as a movie, like a TV miniseries, like in three, miniseries four parts Miniseries would have been great, yeah. You could see the cliffhangers every episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, just to give, you know, much more depth into the look of Hitchcock rather than just glaze over a lot of aspects. Yeah, definitely. But um, if you check it out, I'm sure by the time this comes out, it won't be in the theatre anymore. But um, on DVD, worth a look interesting but as i said it's going to be more for film buffs and you should probably see psycho first yeah if you if you're a hitchcock fan check this out you won't be you you know you won't think it's a great film um but it won't be as revealing but it's still worth a look i guess it's just fun to see psycho being made 
Alright, since we've been doing our second year of Podme If You Can, we have a segment, and here is the opener. What should I watch, Dave? So this time, this week, it's my time to do a recommendation, tell you what you should see. I watched a film from 2009, and it was intriguing, and it took so many twists and turns that I did not see coming. The film is called I Love You, Philip Morris, and it stars Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor. Intrigued, Lloyd? No, I've I've never heard of it. Um, Is it a romantic comedy? What is it? Oh, it's a comedy, and it's... (laughs) It's romantic, but not in the ways that you think. Sure. Um, let me read you the blurb. How about that? Um, yeah. Let me tell you as well. This stars Leslie Mann, who is um, Judd Apatow's wife, the one from um, This Is 40. Um, yep. Yeah. Knocked Up, so forth. Stephen Russell is happily married to Debbie. Stephen Russell, by the way, is Jim Carrey. Debbie is Leslie Mann. And a member of the local police force... When a car accident provokes a dramatic reassessment of his life, Stephen becomes open about his homosexuality and decides to live in the f- live it to the fullest, even if that means breaking the law. So already, huge juxtaposition, married happily, police force, becomes gay, and, um, well, embraces his homosexuality. He was homosexual while he was married to Debbie. Um, reassesses his life. And he decides he can break the law, kind of thing. Because his homosexual lifestyle becomes very expensive. And I don't want to get into it too much, but Ewan McGregor is the primary love interest for Jim Carrey's character. Um, yeah. And I, I'm very reluctant to reveal plot details, because as I said, this movie's got a lot of twists. And a lot of just really interesting scenes. You know? I, I can't. I can't speak you know, for the film without ruining it, I think, Lloyd. Okay, so you highly recommend this film. Yeah, the thing is, I watched it not knowing that much about it, which is, I think, the best way. I think that, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the best way to see a film. This was the kind of film that um, had huge problems getting financed. If you were pitching this as, you know, Jim Carrey is gay with Ewan McGregor, and, um, you know, it's... It's based on real events. Let me just say that right now. Um, which makes it all the more crazy when all these things happen. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to blow the li- the cover. But I love you, Philip Morris is the title of the film. Two thousand nine DVD iTunes. You'll find it. Um, yeah, let us know what you thought. Cool. You you can find all of us uh, our stuff and what we're doing at www.podmeifyoucan.com. You can find links to Lloyd on Twitter, me on Twitter. Uh, YouTube pages. Did I see you put up a short film recently, Lloyd? Yeah, I put up uh, my short film that I did in 2004 called Hatred, my end of school production, uh, my final film of the year, and I think I'll never top it. I watched it again going, wow, I'll, I'll never top this film. <laughs> it's a Latin gangster film all done in Spanish. It only goes on for seven minutes, but it's pretty good. Very nice. You guys can check that out. That's on your YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's on my webpage, uh, haliestales.com, but links are at Podme if you can as well. Cool. Uh, yeah, 50 episodes in, Lloyd. How are you feeling? Yeah, no, it's great. It's been been awesome. Unfortunately, we've had a bad run of movies. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the, if you've been bad, listening... Bad, but I'm pretty sure we've got Django Unchained up soon. Um, yeah, we'll do Django yeah. Unchained next, I believe. 
Yeah. And then maybe a little more of a, an obscure independent film I won't reveal the title of just yet. Sure. But if you listen to Django, at the end of it, we'll mention what the next film is. It's kind of like a book club. I've mentioned that once before, where at the end of the uh, the podcast, we kind of say what's going to be next, if we can. And, and yeah, you guys can check that one out in advance, because as always, checking out the film before listening to these is the way to go. Definitely. Anyway, that's it for Podme If You Can this week. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Thanks, guys. All the best. <laughs>